Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, My City Church. How's it going? If we haven't had a chance to, to meet uh, yet, my name is Kelly Nelson. I am the wife of Eli Nelson, and together we are the lead pastors here at My City Church, and I am honored to be the one bringing the word to you this morning. As you know, we are in the midst of our To Helen Back series, and uh, the past couple of weeks, Eli has just done a phenomenal job uh, speaking on this, and I don't get this opportunity much, so I'm going to use it, um, but I actually want to take a moment and honor our pastor. Um, yeah, I want to honor our pastor. I say this not just as your wife, but as somebody who has followed you through one of the toughest seasons our family and this church has seen. I want to tell you how much I honor your faithfulness to being led by the Lord and his leading. I want to honor your diligence, your strength, and your bravery to stand on truth. And I know that I am personally blessed, but this church is also blessed to be under your leadership. And so church, let's thank God for our pastor this morning. We love you. So go ahead and be seated. Um, like I said, we're gonna continue this conversation about to Helen back. And we've, we've talked about the realities of suffering that just as, Anyone else, just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we're exempt from suffering. But because we're Christians, we also, though, have the ability of a, a position as a child of God, as well as strategies that the Lord has given us. But I want to talk about a particular um, area of suffering that I think is really, um, it's highly important, but it's often not acknowledged or cared for. And I hope everybody understands that we are made up of a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. And so we've talked a lot. We also understand that if something happens to our body, we have medical professionals that we go to. We take the medication. We have the surgeries. And the church is really great in the spirit realm where we have scripture, we have prayer, we have elders, and we can lay hands. But what does scripture talk about in regards to our soul? When we encounter something difficult in our life, when we encounter suffering, what happens to our soul and how does scripture help us to care for that? Okay, and so what I'm actually gonna do is, um, it, it's me, I'm different. Eli's him when he preaches, so you're gonna get me. Um, and so I just wanna pray because once I get into scripture, I wanna get into it. So I'm gonna pray. And as I'm praying, feel free to open your Bibles and join me in Genesis chapter two. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word, for your word. Lord God, and I come before you right now just as an earthen vessel to say, have your way and to use me. Use my words, use the works of my hands and the meditation of my heart to speak in and through us today, Lord God, for the riches of your kingdom and for the glory of your name. Father, we give you this time and we open up our ears. And church, say this with me. Say, Lord, I am ready to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. 
So before we dive into scripture, I want to lay some groundwork, and I'm going to ask a very bold question. My question is, would anybody in the room, room be so bold to raise your hand and to admit that you've been through something traumatic? Okay, quite a few hands. Well, the reason why I ask this is because the proverbial hell that we've been talking about can also be defined as trauma. And while I think a lot of us can concede to using that word for like the big T trauma things, like, you know, an unexpected death in the family or bankruptcy or a rape, in all actuality, we could have all raised our hands because we went through year 2020 together. That COVID, whether or not this particular virus affected you in some, some way, the very fact that we communicate, that we talk about, that we think about our time frames of our life as before and after an event is a clear indicator of something traumatic. And so for your life, understand that if you are looking at your life and you think to yourself, well, I was this way before said event, and now I'm this way after said event, that that could be an indicator that you've gone through something traumatic and it's something to be um, considered of and taken care of. But what about the little T trauma things? These can be things that are a little bit more specific to you, a little bit more personal to you. And, and those can look like a particular stressful time at work where maybe there's really high, intense demands, or maybe there's a difficult relationship in your life. There's um, maybe a season, a really difficult season with children, a child. But understand that another indicator or trauma can also be defined as something that you experience that changes the way that you think about yourself, that changes the way you think about God, and or changes the way that you think about the world. And so I figured, why, why not go to the very beginning, humanity's first, first traumatic experience to see how we have been created and how our creation, our bodies, our souls, and our spirits respond, and specifically our souls respond when we go through traumatic things. Okay, and so we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 2, like I said. And what do you have to know about Genesis chapter 2 is when you're reading Genesis, understand that uh, Genesis chapter 2, we're looking into the day 6 of creation. Okay, any binge watchers out there? You watch seasons? Okay, Genesis chapter 1 is kind of like a season recap of creation. You're, you're seeing all, you were, you were going to watch season 18 of Grey's Anatomy, they very beginning, they're going to show you all what happened in season 17. But Genesis chapter 2 is more like an episode recap. And so we're going to look right into Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 15. And this is after God has created Adam. Scripture says, Genesis chapter 2, 15 through 17, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care for it, care of it, to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are to eat. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And so here, here we see the big commandment, right? Where, where God tells Adam, do not eat from the tree. But verse 18 says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So Eve is not created at this point. When God told Adam, Eve wasn't there. So if you continue to read uh, Genesis chapter 2, you're going to see that God created the animals, presents them to Adam. There's no suitable helper. He names uh, the animals. But then God puts Adam to sleep. He takes a rib bone and creates Eve. 
Funny story, my cousin always calls his wife my ribbon, or like my McRib, as like, as like an endearment term, and this is where he got it, and I thought it was so funny. Um, so all you husbands, feel free to use that. So come here, ribbon. Uh, um, so anyways, so that's, so that's what happens in the rest of chapter two. And, uh, and so Eve is made at the end, and so now we're going to continue reading in Genesis, and we're going to read uh, into Genesis chapter three, okay? And so it says in three, chapter three, verse one through three, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. And I don't know about you, but have you ever asked yourself, like, how did she know that? How did she know that that's what God said? And a lot of people can have some assumptions in there. We can assume that, oh, well, God told her at a later date, or, well, Adam obviously told her. But could I submit to you something else or in addition? Could it be that because Eve was taken from Adam, and Adam was the one that received the word of the Lord, that we are then created with a knowing in us? We are created when God said, hey, let's make man in our image. And our God is a holy and righteous and moral God that in his image, we also carry a knowing of what is right and wrong. Because it sure sounds like what Paul says in Romans to the, to the Romans. He talks about us and he says, indeed, when Gentiles do not have the law, do by nature, what do you mean by nature? Something in me? Do by nature things required by the law they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and other times even defending them. Can I tell you that God has written a knowing on our hearts, that there is a knowing that the enemy is going to confront. And when something happens in our lives, something big happens in our lives, you have to recognize that this is going to be the first first target of attack with the enemy is that he is going to now confront something in your knower. We all have a knower. He's going to confront something in your knower. Because this is what he does in verse four and five. We see it. He does it to Eve. He says, you will not certainly die. Line number one, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Satan confronted what she knew. This is one of the reasons why it's so important to have your knower based in the word of God. We can know a lot of things by our experience. We can know that men treat women wrong, or we can know things that stem from experience. But that's why it's so important, because those are lies. Not all men are like that way. Certainly, there are some men like that. But we have to be based in the word of God, because the word of God does not change. So our knower... What we know to be truth has to come from Scripture because Scripture never changes. But I want you to notice how he does this, how Satan does this. So we see that he first spits one lie, and that lie is kind of generic. It's obviously a lie because, hello, the death rate of humanity is 100%. We are all going to die. And I know that's a little morbid, but that's the truth. 
Like we, we now all die because of this result, okay? But notice how his second lie is. Notice how his second lie is much more specific and it's much more personal. When you eat from the trees, from the tree, your eyes will be opened. He gives it a little bit more of that personal sting. And I think if you're honest with yourself, you would recognize this in you as well. That, ah, oh, this church doesn't want me here. Starts there. And then it goes, oh, they looked my way and didn't say hi to me. So they definitely don't want me here. Or, oh, I don't know if God's going to be able to provide. And then it goes, oh, see, your boss overlooked you, and you're not going to get that promotion. You have to pay attention to how the enemy is going to attack and how he, because he's not changing. He has not thought of new things to do. And so this is how, this is how we can, knowing scripture and learning from scripture, be safeguarded to the attacks of the enemy. So it's one to first recognize that he will attack something, the truth that is written on your hearts. And he does it by lies. Because what happens is there's something that changes in Eve. There's something that's broken in her. Because then in verse 6, we read, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And again, I asked myself, was she blind before this? Is, was it not good looking before he said something about it? Was it, we, Adam, Adam was told that it was a tree of knowledge. Knowledge, wisdom, is, not, is that not the same thing? And so a lot of us, I think, can recognize how because she took the lies, she received the lies from the enemy that her knowing transitioned into a change in her thinking. And this is what we do, right? So something, something happens to us, we change the way that we think about ourselves, or we change the way that we think about God, or we change the way that we think about what's going on in the world. But I would submit that there's also something else to consider, that the progression of our life isn't just from our knowing to our thinking. And then we read, she, changed, she did something, she acted upon it, that it's not just from knowing to thinking to action, but let me ask you in this way. How do you think you would feel if you were in Eve's shoes? You didn't hear anything new about the fruit. How would you feel after just hearing something new about your God? You just heard that God is hiding something from you and he doesn't want to give it to you, the wisdom. Um, you just heard that the God that you've trusted in is keeping something from you. And this is what's interesting is that science and faith are not at odds. And I know the world's trying to like get us to think that, but every science, astronomy, psychology, uh, it is not at odds with faith. In actuality, if you do some digging, every new discovery just confirms the word just confirms what we already read in scripture, how we are made. And so the point is, is that our emotions do matter. Because I specifically asked you, how do you think you would feel? How would you feel if you were in that position? You just heard something new about God, not something new about the fruit, 
but you just heard something new about somebody else. Because our emotions, they do actually play a role in the behavior that we have. And again, psychology is continuing to confirm this, this, uh, this notion. And so I'll share with you, I guess, a little bit from what I would feel, and maybe you can identify with some of this. I would imagine feeling disappointed or betrayed. I would feel disappointed um, maybe that he was holding something back from me. Um, another feeling word is probably fearful, so now I can't trust God. And I have a tinge of anger in me, so I probably feel spiteful. <laughs> like, who? I will show you. I can be a God. Yeah, right. I can handle this. I'd feel a little bit spiteful. And so I submit to you that before she changed her thinking that led to her actions, she actually probably felt some unpleasant things. She felt those bad feelings that, quite honestly, the church hasn't really talked a lot about because we have all these scriptures to, like, just blow through our feelings. Like, oh, I just rejoice in the Lord always, so I'm just always going to rejoice. Don't ever feel sad. But let me ask you, if our Lord, who put on flesh, felt all of the feelings, were or could they be sin? Because I thought he was sinless. Well, he is, and he was. And so my point to you is that our feelings, even the negative feelings, the fear and, and, the, and the anger, they, they're not sinful. They are indicators telling us something within us. They're telling us something is wrong in our souls. And what I want to communicate today is that really the church should be one of the safest places that we can communicate, that we can go to a brother and sister in Christ, that we can go even to the Lord to be able to share and express some of these feelings. And so there's something particular about Jesus, I think, that is so special is because he, like I mentioned, if he has experienced these feelings, then he knows and we can go to him in them. Because in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. And so because the emotions themselves are not sin, because then Jesus would have sinned if he felt those emotions. You can clearly read how he felt those emotions in some of the Gospels. Um, then we can feel them, let alone bring them to our high priest. And I can't tell you how many times I have watched people um, sit moments away from their feelings because they just wanted to think through it. That we've gone to our Lord with questions and haven't actually gone to him just raw and real. So I want to read the next verse after Hebrews 15. And it's Hebrews 15 and 16. Now I'll read. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. And so let us therefore come boldly unto the throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You have to understand that when you go through something, when, we've, when we go through the proverbial hell, you have to recognize and ask yourself, 
what in my knower is being challenged right now? What truth of the Lord is being challenged right now? Because it will be. It is. And it's something very vulnerable, to be honest. Let, to admit to yourself, like, oh, I don't believe that God can heal, or I don't believe God can do something, or I don't believe the church is safe, or something, whatever it might be particular to you. You have to remember that the, the enemy is going to take this opportunity to interject a lie in order to bait you and then pull you along the path of changing your thinking and then changing your actions. And so some of this can come from a brother and sister in Christ talking, talking through how you're feeling and how you've experienced something. Some of it can go through therapy. That's not a bad word in church. We actually do believe in therapy, therapists. And, and the knowledge and the wisdom that Christian therapists can provide for people that have gone through things. And now we're recognizing that my soul, there is something constipated in my soul because I have not been able to unleash these feelings in a healthy way. Because there is a healthy way to unleash anger. There is a healthy way to unleash sadness. And if you don't unleash that out of your soul, I have to tell you, I have to warn you that we are body, soul, and spirit. And if one of them is out, they're all affected. I want to read you Proverbs 15, 13. It says, a happy heart, our soul, makes the face cheerful. Our, our face, it's our body. But heartache, our soul, crushes the spirit our spirit. And so my question to you is, would it be okay for God to heal your pain without explaining your pain? Would you trust him today to heal your soul without giving you something to think about? Without trying to explain it, why did this happen? What, what did I do? Why did this happen to me? Because I just love that the songs that we sang. Because he is here. And he's not just here to explain things. He's not just a God of knowledge. He is a personal God who actually lived this life, experienced emotions, and can, I, can identify with you and help you through some of that trauma. Through some of the things that we've gone through. And so when we... When we remember that our knower is going to get challenged, that a lie is going to come from somewhere, it can come from us, it can come from somebody else, to be honest. We've, there's probably a lot of us that have heard some things by another human that you still think about at night when you're laying in bed. There are some probably experiences and relationships that when we're laying in bed, it kind of just somehow, for, we know the reason now, but... For some reason, it just tracks and it tracks and it tracks. And we can't not think about it. Have you ever thought yourself, thought about that? Like, why can't I just not stop thinking about this? I don't want to think about it. There's something in your soul that has not been unleashed. There's something, there's a feeling that you haven't um, allowed yourself to feel, to identify, and to healthily release. And so our Lord is able to heal that. And some might get questions answered. Some people, you might, you might get that.
But the question remains, can he heal your pain without explaining it? Could you come boldly before the throne? A lot of times we think we're going to like bust in the throne and we're going to go up and we're going to ask this big audacious, Father, I want the nations. Like we think we're going to just, that's, that's boldly to us. That's boldly. I don't, I don't think that's the only way. I, yes, we should ask things for, believe in faith for things. But I think boldly is, God, I can't do this anymore. Boldly is vulnerable before the Lord. Boldly is truthful. God, I'm so mad at you. Why did you do this? Why did you let this happen? He can handle those things. Trust me, he created heaven and earth. He can handle those questions and he can handle the hatred even that you have even towards him. If you were just to let it open a little, trust me, you would see the faithfulness of our God. You would see the love. Scripture says that his faithfulness and love endures forever. His faithfulness and love. And so what we're actually gonna do, and like I said, I'm me, so you get me. <laughs> but I actually believe that the Spirit of God is powerful, can change your life, not just in you receiving a knowledge revelation, but that you can receive healing in your heart where there is scars and where is there is soul turmoil through the things that you've experienced. Again, the big things that society would label as trauma, but even the little things, the particular things that this person said this to me, I don't know why I can't forget it. And so what we're going to do is, Reeve, could we actually do the second song here again instead of Forever Yahweh? We're actually going to take a time in our service to allow for you to come boldly, upon, boldly into the throne room of grace. For you to, you could do it in your seats, you could do it at this extra space down in front. But I couldn't talk about this without actually giving you an opportunity to do it. Because one thing I know about faith is without action, it's just a good thought. Without putting action to my faith. And so again, if you're comfortable with it, come down to the front and have your moment with the Lord. Ask the Lord, Lord, heal me. Here's my anger. You can cry. You can shout. My personal opinion, if you punch a wall, that's fine. That's fine. No other person is involved, so just punch the wall. I actually heard a therapist say that she had um, the big bubble wrap thing in her office, and she would let people punch the bubble wrap. Um, we don't have any bubble wrap, but there's some cushions on the chairs. But really, we're, um, we're going to provide, and the leadership team is going to be available to pray. Um, and we're going to provide some time and some space for you to be ministered to the Lord and be ministered by the Spirit. Because, again, it is not through our strength. It is through the Lord. But the Lord wants all of us. He wants to heal our spirits. He already did. We have the Holy Spirit available to us. He wants to heal our bodies, and he wants to heal our, heal, heal our soul. And so would you stand this morning as I pray for you? And like I said, the worship team is going to go into a song, and we're going to minister from there. And you might have somebody come and lay, your, lay their hand on you. If you want specific prayer for something, there's going to be leaders available. There's pastors available to pray with you and pray for you. 
But this is your moment. This is your moment to take what you have gone through, to take, just pick one. I know we all have many. You could bring all. I encourage you to bring all. But if that's too much for you right now, pick one. Pick one thing and bring it to the foot of the cross. Bring it to the Lord and let him wash over you. And so, Father, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would come right now and fall afresh in this place, Lord God. God, we come before you as humble servants, as vulnerable and, hu and real humans who have experienced atrocities in our lives, Lord God, that have been abused, that have been taken advantage of, that have been lost in seasons of our lives, Lord God. And I know, Father, that you are a healing God, that you are a faithful God, and you are so loving. And so, Father, we pray right now that in every heart, would you remind us, would you bring to the surface, Lord God, the scars and the pain, Father, of, of our soul. Would you bring it to the surface and in the most loving and gracious way, would you help us to release it and give it unto you? Would you help us to give you all that we are, not just the perfect, but our brokenness? Would you help us, Lord God, to walk in the freedom that you have in the name of Jesus? And so, Father, right now, I anoint this open space. Holy Spirit, pour out your anointing of healing in this open space. Would you touch hearts that have been hardened by this world? Would you touch hearts that have been hardened by the abuse in their family? Would you touch hearts and soften hearts that have been abused and taken advantage of and have been spoken death over and we proclaim in the name of Jesus that that is no more we proclaim freedom and life over every person under the sound of my voice Lord and so I thank you Lord in Jesus mighty name thank you so much for listening today and we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to my city church we wouldn't be able to do this without you if you would like to give today please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.